And hello there, Peter Mansbridge here. You are just moments away from the latest episode of The Bridge. Tired of me ranting on Trump? Well, you picked the right day to tune in because it's random ranters' turn on Trump. And hello there, Peter Mansbridge here. Thursday episode of The Bridge. That means your turn and the random ranter. The ranter's coming up in a few minutes' time, but first of all, it's your turn. It's your letters. And uh, once again, we've got quite a few of them on a range of topics today. Uh, But first up, clearly, some more of your views on the overall situation uh, in the Middle East. After a busy week of programs on that front, we have now an opportunity to hear from you. And as I said, it's kind of wide-ranging. Walter Frieda Jesse uh, writes about Fauda, the television series I mentioned the other day when we were talking with Janice Stein, which is an Israeli-based production. Um, And it deals a lot with the whole, you know, Israeli-Palestinian issue in a very highly dramatic way if you get a chance to watch it and it is available on a number of streaming services uh, in Canada if you watch it be prepared because it can be very graphic um, all right uh, Walter Frieda Jesse I don't know whether that means Walter and Frieda Jesse or Walter Frieda Jesse or Jesse Walter Frieda it could be any one of those combinations Anyway, she, he, they write, Fauda is an amazing series, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have recommended it to all of my family and friends because it gives great insight, it does, as to what is happening between the Israelis and Palestinians. I may have to watch it again. I think there's either two or three seasons of Fauda out there right now. Um, Janice Stein. Um, Shelley Rochelle in Edmonton or Rochelle Shelley (laughs) sometimes it's hard to know right Uh, writes this I used to listen to your podcast at one and a quarter speed I guess that's because I'm a slow talker but when Janice Stein is on I dial it back to regular speed Monday podcasts with Janice are so meaty and full of relevant and big picture information that I find even replaying parts of it, I I find I'm even replaying parts of it, so I don't miss the details. (laughs) Good point. Al Wicker from Woodstock, Ontario. Listening to last week's Good Talk, there was some discussion regarding Justin Trudeau's comments regarding who was responsible for the Al-Ahli hospital bombing in Gaza, and how he'd held back the opinion of who was responsible. Actually, he was sort of, you know, it was all uh, it was all in the wording used that there was some controversy surrounding some of the things he said. My opinion is that the Five Eyes—that's the group of countries: um, United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, um, Australia, and New Zealand. Is Australia in the Five Eyes? Yes. Um, My opinion is that the Five Eyes group no longer trusts Canada with all the secret information considering our misuse of sharing of information provided in the past. 
Take, for example, the killing of Sikh activist Hardeep Singh Najjar. I believe this Five Eyes information would have been better kept out of the public realm until Canada had quietly exhausted all positive possible avenues. Instead, Trudeau immediately went public with it, which completely led the Indian government to their current stance. So my point is perhaps Canada did not see all available Five Eyes information regarding the hospital bombing, and the result being that Trudeau based his opinion on incomplete information. Well, Al, there's a number of things you're incomplete on in that letter. Um, When you call on him to be more cautious in international affairs if he wants to be taken seriously. Um, Here are a couple of things that you're missing. I'm not I'm not defending the the Trudeau position here on this because I think there was some issues, but I, I think you got a couple of things mixed up. Trudeau didn't immediately go public on the Najjar story. In fact, Canada was working and still was working, had been working for months on trying to determine what exactly happened there. They were. Um, uh, had been offered some information by at least one member of the Five Eyes group. It wasn't until the Globe and Mail had told the Prime Minister's office they were publishing the story late that day because they'd found out and confirmed things. And that forced Trudeau's hand, or at least that's the explanation the Prime Minister's office gives as to why they went public on that day. All right? Um, and on the hospital bombing in Gaza, I, you know, the statements that were made, not just by Trudeau, but by a number of other leaders around the world who've since had to back off them and media organizations, is they acted almost immediately on the bombing, right? There was, I don't think there was any movement from different um, spy agencies. In fact, the Americans said it took them four or five days before they were clear as to what they think happened, and even that is still disputed. So anyway, there we uh, there we go on that one. And uh, Nancy Kumpf from Sarnia, Ontario. I've been really enjoying hearing from Janice Stein. I cannot believe how lucky we are to have this kind of access to her at this time. She's a wealth of information and has the ability to thread the needle with all the main players that are involved in this unbelievable conflict. I'm thankful that we were able to hear from Samantha Nutt on Tuesday. Here's someone who's immersed herself into these horrible situations in Yemen and some African countries so she can shine a beacon of hope on these people. I'd like to thank you for providing us, the listeners, with all the people you feature on the podcast. Great job. Thanks, Nancy. That's very kind of you. We are lucky to be able to talk to both Janice and and Sam Nutt, uh, both of whom are... You know, good friends of not only the podcast, but of of me uh, personally and professionally. You know, I've known Janice, as I said, I think before, about 40 years, and have talked with her on various programs that I've done. And so I'm lucky to be able to call her and and for her to take part in uh, in the bridge. Same with Sam Nutt. I haven't known her quite that long, um, but I've known her for a good Oh, 25 years. She's, uh, she's terrific. Um, Susan Roach from Perth, Ontario. As a first-time writer from Perth, Ontario, I wish to say thank you for hosting this excellent podcast. Well, thank you for writing. 
through your contacts and your esteemed reputation, you've attracted the best in the field to be your panelists and guests. We, the listeners, are so fortunate to have a go-to place to receive honest and reliable information on the important issues of the day. If Israel were to withdraw its forces from the border and replace them with humanitarian aid for all the people who are suffering in Gaza, it might go a long way to quell the growing hatred that is spinning out of control in the region. If Israel is brave enough to make the urgent call enough, we want to find a new way, a real opportunity for peace talks could result. It may not happen in this war, but if there's ever to be peace, it will take a leader with the courage and determination to take this kind of stand. I know it sounds naive, but one never knows. You know, if uh, I've had a dollar for every time I've heard that kind of plea, um, well, it'd be a different world, wouldn't it? I'm not sure. Um, I, you know, there have been attempts at that over the years, but they've never kind of worked out, and they certainly haven't worked out so far this time. We can always hope. Um, Linda Keith. Linda is in Richmond Hill, Ontario. I'm addicted to your podcast for intelligent updates and perspectives. Love what you're doing. You know, it's great to hear lines like that, and I know... Not everybody agrees with that. You know, I have some people who write in who are, you know, don't like what we do. Um, it seems more so on the YouTube broadcast. I've got a lot of nameless people who, you know, who, who write in on the YouTube channel and, you know, say some ugly stuff. Um, but many of you say nice things about the program, even when you disagree. And that's the point, right? That is the point. The point is to try and put forward a discussion that will allow you to think for yourself on how you feel about issues. And sometimes you're going to agree. Sometimes you'll kind of be halfway in agreement. Sometimes you'll disagree totally. And that's all good if it allows you that kind of room to think about what's being said, to offer different ideas. And that's partly what your turn is about. I know all of you don't write in, but many of you do. Uh, there are some frequent writers, um, some who write almost like every week. <laughs> they don't make it on the air every week because they try to, you know, keep a flow of of different thoughts and ideas coming into the program. And uh, so we, we do the best we can there. But I, I love hearing from the regular listeners. And, uh, you know, once again, I do read everything, even if we don't air all the comments. Anyway, what's uh, what does Linda have to say? Oh, she's another Janice Stein fan. Janice is rivaling Chantelle Bear now for the most popular contributor on this program. And that's saying something, right? Linda writes, Janice Stein is a magnificent addition, but my heart is in my throat during this Middle East catastrophe, not only for the local victims on both sides, but for what Putin must be doing while the world's eyes are focused elsewhere. Please fill in this gap as soon as possible. Desperately hope for an update and that things are not going badly for Ukraine. Well, it's a good point, Linda, and um, I'm hoping to talk to uh, Janice about that uh, for Monday's program, uh, you know, for part of Monday's program. Um, 
as you know, Brian Stewart has been on top of the Ukraine story for us for the last you know year and a half or so. Uh, but Brian has uh, asked for a brief hiatus. I'm not sure how to define brief, but he is writing his memoirs, which I've encouraged him to do for many, many years. But finally, um, got him together with the publisher, Simon & Schuster, and he's doing that at the moment for a book that is scheduled to be out. I think it's either a year from now or the spring of 2025. Um, But knowing Brian, it's going to be a fantastic book, and it's going to be, it's probably going to be, quite a, well, not only a great read, but a long read. He's exceptional on detail. And uh, he will, uh, he'll do his best to bring his memories uh, alive in this book that he's, uh, that he's currently writing and has taken a bit of time off from the bridge to do so. But he was great on Ukraine, always has been on any topic that I've talked to Brian about, but so was Janice. And so on, uh, on Monday, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll try to get Janice to give us her insight on what impact this whole Middle East situation has had on the situation uh, in Ukraine. Okay, moving on. Um, if you're a Random Ranter fan, then you probably heard last week uh, the Ranter's latest take on electric vehicles. Now, as I said last week when he did it, he was basically talking about charging time and his concerns around charging time. In other words, how long it takes to charge up your battery, depending on whether you use it. got a little technical, whether you use a, a charger, you know, uh, I think it is charger level two or charger level three. And it, Anyway, when I, uh, when I ran it last week, I said, the EV people are going to, you know, the, you're, you either seem to be an EV person or, or either not interested or, or not an EV person. And uh, you stand up for your beliefs. And, of course, as predicted, there were letters from EV promoters, not the businesses, but the uh, consumers who drive EVs. Not just Teslas. Tesla's had a bad run, by the way. I'm sure you've seen the market stories in the last couple of days. They took a real thumping uh, with their latest quarter results. Uh, anyway, uh, Pierre Roy in Ottawa, and he uh, he went to the barricades on this one. I've uh, not had the opportunity to hear the ranter's previous musings on EVs, but his rant from last week displays his ability to speak forcefully and with apparent knowledge on a subject that he has insufficiently grasped. If he wants to be controversial and thought-provoking, perhaps he could choose a subject that won't result in listeners making decisions based on falsehoods that contribute to the destruction of the planet, which is the delay in making purchases which limit our carbon footprint. His rant has so many errors, some he must surely be aware of, that I can't address them all. This email would be too long. He does take a a run at uh, the charging assertions by the ranter. Um, But he goes on here. This is where he really goes deep. Um, The more we collectively understand this important topic, the quicker we can make the right decisions based on fact 
not attention-grabbing and facile statements. Ooh. Guess you're no fan of the ranter on EVs. I should tell you a couple of facts, Pierre. Um, the ranter who I've often explained lives in Western Canada. To be specific, he lives on the prairies. He drives a lot. He drives a lot into remote areas of the prairies in northwestern Ontario. And so, what kind of car does he drive? He drives, drives a PHEV. You know what that is. I'm sure Mr. Roy knows what it is. It's a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Okay? So, he, in fact does know a lot about this subject. He spent a considerable amount of time and research on this subject, and he's talked with many people in the industry and outside the industry, in the research on batteries, etc., and a lot of other things. So he actually does know some things. Now, clearly you disagree, and that's fine. I get it. I don't have a problem with that. But you know what? Don't call him facile, because that's not what he is on this subject or any other subject. He actually does spend some time researching the things he talks about. Um, but anyway, if you're going to call him facile, then I guess you call the uh, former chairman, and, well, I think he's still the chairman. He's a former CEO of Toyota. Now, I know Toyota and Tesla are sort of in competition, and Toyota has made a number of comments about EVs over the years, even though they have EVs, Right. Akio Toyoda is his name. He's been a long-time skeptic of the electric vehicle type. I'm reading from Fortune magazine, current edition. It was a big reason he stepped down from the top job at the Japanese car maker earlier this year. Now he can finally say, based on the latest stats and the third quarter results of Tesla, he can finally say, According to Fortune, I told you so. With Elon Musk's Tesla reporting disastrous third quarter earnings last week, investors are realizing that EVs are no silver bullet for profit. People are finally seeing reality, Toyota said on Wednesday. And that is that there's still a long way to go on making them completely acceptable. I mean, listen, there's always challenges in any uh, relatively new product. EVs have been around for a while, as we know, but they're still refining them. And Tesla clearly has a head start. There are problems in, the, uh, in other areas of the, uh, the EV front. Um, I asked the renter to reply a little bit on this issue. Here's what he wrote to me. This is the ranter. My whole point is that EVs aren't something you can just jump in and drive like a gas vehicle. They take a level of planning and commitment that varies with your situation. And in some situations, they just don't work. A few examples. EVs are great at towing, but towing drastically reduces their range. The other day, I did a 800-kilometer round trip to the north. 
and didn't pass a single charger. I barely passed a gas station. An EV would have meant that my trip would be extended by a day, and that's only if I was able to access a Level 2 charger. And even that timeline is a maybe. My contention is that EVs are engineered for people who live in cities and people who don't use their car a lot. There are exceptions to everything, and I think there are a lot of EV people that don't get that just because something works for them, that it will work for everyone. EVs will not work for everyone, and I stand by my contention that if we're able to forego some of the performance, we could make EVs that were practical for a wider range of people. Okay, so you've heard both sides of the argument. You know, the, the sort of outline of both sides of the argument. So there you go on that. And I know that'll just prompt another round of letters, but that's okay. That's what we're about, right? All right. I love this one. This comes from George Allen Wallace in Labrador City, Newfoundland and Labrador. This is what George writes. There's a game I play when listening to political commentary. I set the minutes out on paper, and then I guess when the pundit will bring up Trump. If they bring it up on the minute that I guessed, I lose. If they bring it up on one of the minutes that I had not chosen, I lose. Do you get my point? Yes, Trump is an interesting figure in world politics, but he isn't the devil, and all the world's evils do not rest in him alone. Just some of them. All right, George, (laughs) that's a, a good letter. And you know what else it is? It is a great intro to this week's this week's offering from our friend for his first time in more than a year since he's been on the program, his first time where he talks about Donald Trump. What came first, the decline of America or Trump? Is he the symptom or the disease? Is he the drowning last gasp of a dying nation? Or does he represent some kind of new, sinister American exceptionalism? I mean, how do you explain Donald Trump? He's a pathological liar, a narcissist, a misogynist, a philanderer, a bully. He's been found liable for sexual abuse. He's facing four current criminal indictments. He's been bankrupt multiple times. And when I tried to Google his civil cases, my internet crashed. He is the Dark Biff from Back to the Future. A total tire fire. A complete flaming bag of chaos that burns anyone and everyone that steps close to it. Yet in spite of all this, or sometimes I wonder if it's because of all this, he's the leading Republican candidate for president by a country mile. He's the darling of evangelicals. And he's reduced the once proud Republican Party to nothing more than a shallow cult of personality. None of it makes any sense to me. Turn on American news, and no matter what's going on in the world, there's always seven layers of Trump. And it's been that way since 2016. He's an absolute cancer to Western democracy. And while he talks about a strong America, 
all he's ever done is weaken it to his benefit. Now, we all know Biden won, but as legitimate a win as it was, it was hardly convincing. I mean, it might be Biden's presidency, but in a lot of ways, it's Trump's America. And what was once the land of the free and the home of the brave is nothing more than a fractured, navel-gazing shell of its former self. There you go. It's taken more than a year, but the random ranter has finally done a Trump commentary. Now, I know for some of you, it could have gone to two or three years and you would have been more than happy. But others, and a lot of them too, say, yeah, I want to hear more about Trump. Well, there you go. You've had it for this day. Okay. Given that, uh, we're going to take our break. And when we come back, more of your letters on a variety of different topics. And there's quite the variety coming up right after this. And welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of uh, The Bridge, the Your Turn edition for this Thursday. I'm Peter Mansbridge. And you're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks, or on your favorite podcast platform. Glad to have you with us. Okay, back to your mail, back to your letters, back to your turn. Henry Pill from Port Perry, Ontario. The other day you mentioned that the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin is a very positive and popular tourist attraction. Most popular in Europe, according to the latest stats. More popular than the Eiffel Tower, the Colosseum, and whatever else was out there as uh, the Acropolis in Athens. I've been to all three of those. They're fantastic. I have not been to the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin, although I have been to Dublin a number of times. I'll have to make sure I go the next time. My wife is Irish, and on one of our trips to Ireland, we visited the storehouse. Here's an interesting fact, and perhaps a testament to the shrewdness of some Irish business people. In 1759, when Arthur Guinness was just 34 years old, he signed a 9,000-year lease on the site, where he began to brew stout and to build a global brand that is Guinness today. The annual rent, 45 pounds. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know whether, I don't know whether you can still get a, uh, you know, a, a lease that'll last 9,000 years, but, uh, you know, good for him that he managed to think that one through. Ian Strom from Lethbridge, Alberta. His interest peaked yesterday when we talked about the CBC. I believe that the CBC should get more funding, not less. They should only get money from Parliament, get rid of advertisers, and the government should stay at arm's length. At some point in the future, deep fake videos will be impossible to identify with the naked eye, and our society will need an organization with the resources to expose misinformation. We recently saw protests swell, and citizens, politicians, and journalists alike were too quick to draw conclusions just based on the word of Hamas. Just imagine the propaganda wars that are coming. This will have real-world consequences. Wayne Mills from uh, Fort Erie. Both Rob and Chantel had good points regarding the filming of the House of Commons during debates. 
One way to solve the issue would be to have a split screen, one showing the speaker, the other showing what's going on behind the scene. And the speaker meaning whichever MP was speaking, not the speaker speaker. So a speaker in a, with a small S, not a capital S. Cindy Kilpatrick of Alberta. Is the UCP, the provincial uh, party in power in Alberta, intentionally stoking the fires of division and discontent at a time when the world is falling apart with their pension and provincial police proposals? Or is it possibly a more benign strategy to distract us from our worries about the collapsing healthcare and education systems? Is there a political theory about destroying the population to gain power? What's going on? What are the secret strategies being discussed and pursued behind closed doors? Man, I'd like to be able to trust again, or at least be so naive again, assuming that those in power, at the very least, believe in true democracy. Uh, Trevor Seafried. Um, I should remember where Trevor's writing from, but I don't, and he doesn't include it in this email, but he has written before. Like many, I didn't like the look Pierre Polyev had in the latest video of his conversation in a Kelowna orchard. That is, until I found out it was a journalist he was talking to. My mind did a 180 with that nugget. I'm surprised the CPC released the video without ensuring that was indicated. Still, didn't look very prime ministerial, but that doesn't seem to matter anymore. Does it? Does it matter if our leaders look like leaders, act like leaders, or does it not matter anymore? I don't know, Trevor, maybe you have a point there. Uh, David Harrison writes, A few weeks ago, the random ranter commented about MPs starting to clap instead of thump. Actually, I don't think it was the ranter. I think it was, oh, you're right. You said RR. RR doesn't just mean the random ranter. It could also mean, which I assume it does mean here, Rob Russo. Rob filled in for Bruce last week on Good Talk. Read Rob's comment about what MPs started when uh, and uh, what MPs started to clap instead of thump. My recollection is that it was because the thumping was too distorted and loud when TV came in. You know what? I think David, I think you're right. I think you are right. I think it was probably a combination of things, but I think the overwhelming factor was that the sound distortion of the desk thumping. Drew Hubley from Lakelands, Nova Scotia. I'm a regular listener of the show. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you. The Your Turn segment contains at least one letter about housing or something closely related to housing every week. It's become a societal issue for everyone, transcending class and geographic location. In Nova Scotia, that's where Drew lives, the Houston government, as Premier Houston, has passed a bill imposing legislation on the Halifax Regional Municipality in an ongoing feud between the province and city council, primarily to cap the Halifax Regional Municipality's development fees. 
It seems higher orders of government are taking aim at cities nationwide, with the Housing Accelerator Fund being the most prominent example. Could you ask Chantel and Bruce to weigh in on the politics of the situation? I'll, I'll see whether they want to get into that. But uh, you are seeing now almost, well, certainly weekly and al- in some cases almost daily, the prime minister or the housing minister popping up in certain places around the country announcing the latest access to the housing accelerator fund from various um, or uh, to various communities in the country. So that might be an interesting topic because there's always been this issue about responsibility and provincial, federal, etc. You know the you know the story. So thank you, Drew, on that. Um, this one comes from Phil Weiner in Hamilton. I'm sure you're aware of the cutbacks everywhere in the print business and the laying off of staff, writers, support staff, supervisors, and technical workers as the whole industry continues to struggle with declining advertising revenue. Yes, and in not just print but it's also on the electronic side as well. We've seen it in television, and we're going to see more of it, I'm afraid. A few weeks ago, Torstar, that's the company that owns the Toronto Star and also a lot of community newspapers. A few weeks ago, Torstar cut out the community newspapers like the Ancaster News, the Dundas Journal, and many, many others, and the Golden Horseshoe from Niagara through to Mississauga. And they have rescinded on retirement plans offered to long-term employees effective September 15th. I'm um, enclosing a story, recent story, from the uh, Bay Observer. Is that the North Bay? No, the Bay Observer uh, in Hamilton. Um, sorry. Um, anyway, that's included in the in the package she sent. Um This past few months, Mohawk College has canceled their degree programs in journalism. The cuts at Torstar, the firing of many, many on-air personalities this past year by Chorus, and the subsequent loss of journalists to retirement and just plain dismissal is too important to ignore. Thank you for taking a good look at this and for your ongoing important leadership role in the industry. Yeah, listen... You know, it's a really troubling story, and what's what's troubling, increasingly troubling, is the situation, like you mentioned, Mohawk College, canceling their programs in journalism. Why? Not because people aren't interested. It's because there aren't jobs available for graduates. And Mohawk's not the first place. They, you know, the, the excellent school of journalism at, in Regina, at the university in Regina, um, is on pause, has been for a year or two years now, and I think continues again this year, on pause. For that reason, can't find jobs for graduates, enough jobs. So uh, this has troubled a lot of journalistic organizations and a lot of individuals as journalists. I know it's troubled me personally, and as a result, you may have noticed I I don't think I've mentioned it here on on the podcast, but I'll mention it now because it, in a way, relates to this letter. Um, I established, through my foundation, 
fellowships, um, scholarships, bursaries, call it what you want, at three different universities in Canada who have journalism programs. And I backed it up with a substantial donation to each of the three universities, King's College in Halifax, Carleton University in Ottawa, and the University of British Columbia, Vancouver. Now, I picked those three because I admire the people who run those journalism programs, but I also admire those locations. And I wanted to have a kind of national reach to what I was proposing. And each of the three universities, and you can look them up online, just, you know, Google, Google Peter Mansbridge King's College, Peter Mansbridge Carleton, Peter Mansbridge UBC, and you're likely to find the announcement of the program. And each one is a special fund endowed in perpetuity uh, for students to take advantage of. Students who are showing a high degree of journalistic excellence already. Many all now in postgraduate studies. And it allows them the freedom to move on certain stories, access to them, and to be able to afford to pursue certain stories through the guidance and help of the university. So I did that because I wanted to ensure that those students who show a degree of excellence were going to further their skills and position themselves to be attractive to the journalistic operations that are left standing at once the landscape is clearly defined following the troubles that we've been having. So that is, you know, that was my hope there, and it addresses in some ways, well, I'm not sure it addresses, but it starts to address in some ways what Phil Weiner and Hamilton is writing about. So there you go. Um, here's the last letter from today. It comes from Wanda Syme in Fork River, Manitoba. Isn't that interesting? You know, I... Started my career in Manitoba. I was there for six years between Churchill and Winnipeg. Um, yet I, I don't remember ever hearing of Fork River, Manitoba, but I have now. So this is what Wanda writes. I've never felt motivated to write until I was listening to the end bit of Wednesday's show when you and Bruce Anderson stumbled and talked around the NHL. As happy as I am to see their stance on support of pride change, I was horrified to listen to you and Bruce talk around the issue that have plagued hockey in general within Canada and come to a head in a very recent history. The misogyny and sexual abuse that has been allowed to exist in silence within hockey culture in Canada is shameful. I was very disappointed as the two of you spoke about hockey's image struggles without acknowledging this hurtful and damaging contribution in hockey culture. I look forward to your future shows, but I hope you're more courageous to address injustices such as this in the future. Well, you're right, Wanda. We did not mention it yesterday um, during uh, SMT. We did a little thing on hockey near the end, and the fact that uh, players were had fought successfully, some players, to have pride um, 
once again exhibited. And we did mention a couple of times, as you suggest, that hockey's had much larger issues. Did we go into detail on some of those issues? No, we didn't. There was a short segment yesterday. That is not to say we haven't done this story many times through the arguments around Hockey Canada and suggested that hockey is in, is in trouble in terms of the, the way it uh, has operated in the past um, and that it has not caught up on a lot of levels, including those that you mentioned, to other professional leagues in North America. Um, so you're quite right. We didn't mention it yesterday. That's not entirely fair because we have done major sections and segments on this in the past, probably being six months or even a year since we did when the big controversy around how Hockey Canada existed. It's still not settled. You're quite right about that. It is still not settled. We're still waiting for you know, a, a police report from London, Ontario, I believe on the incident that I assume you're referring to from the 2018 World Juniors. And we're still waiting for a report from the NHL on the same incident. They, the NHL, I think, is saying that it's waiting until it hears the police report. Whatever, this has been more than five years since that incident happened. And there's there will be a lot to be determined from what those reports say. So I would not be surprised if we discuss this again in the more detail and the kind of detail that Wanda Syme from Fork River, Manitoba wants. So thank you for that, uh, Wanda. I hear what you're saying. All right. Um, that's it for this week on Your Turn and the Random Ranter. Tomorrow, it's Good Talk with Chantel and Bruce. We'll see what's on tap for them when you tune in tomorrow, as we hope you will. I'm Peter Mansbridge. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again in 24 hours.